Welcome to the first CMS Pensions Lawcast of 2022. And I'm joined on this Lawcast by Alex Tomlinson and Catherine Harnett from CMS. In this Lawcast, we're going to take a look at the pensions issues we can expect to be focusing on in 2022. And we've grouped our thoughts along three main lines. Firstly, scheme governance, then scheme structure, and finally, scheme funding. There are some really significant pensions issues which schemes and sponsors are likely to be dealing with in 2022. And to, to name just a few, we have the full introduction of the Pension Schemes Act and the regulator's new powers, climate change reporting, commercial consolidators and collective defined contribution, GMP equalisation, the regulator's new funding code, and the continued interest that many schemes and sponsors have in de-risking. So I'm going to hand over to Alex to start us off on scheme governance. Thanks Pete. So I'm going to talk about some changes that we're expecting in relation to scheme governance and the first is the regulator's new single code. The regulator is intending to replace 10 of the current 15 codes of practice and consolidate those 10 into one single code. The publication has been delayed, partly owing to the very high response rate to the regulator's consultations. So the code is not expected to become effective before the summer this year, and further changes may be announced before then. One of the changes will be the need for occupational pension schemes to establish and operate an effective system of governance, including internal controls. Schemes should start thinking about this now, as the regulator has previously suggested that trustees should be fully compliant within 12 months of the new code coming into force. This is a reasonably short period, given the amount of work that could be involved for some schemes in establishing and operating the necessary system of governance and taking the other new requirements on board. The next area of change is in relation to notifiable events. Last year, in October, the Pension Schemes Act 21 brought in some changes relating to notifiable events, but there are further changes due to come into force from this April. From the 6th of April, the requirement to make a notifiable event where there is wrongful trading by the employer will fall away. And from that date, two new notifiable events will come into force. The first is a decision in principle by the employer to sell a material proportion of its business or assets. And the second is a decision in principle by the employer to grant or extend relevant security ranking above the pension scheme. Timing is important here. Notification must be made when the decision has been made in principle, and that's before negotiation or agreement on terms have been finalised. Following that initial notification, an appropriate person must provide further detail to the regulator and the scheme trustees once the main terms are proposed. This is a significant change to the pensions landscape in terms of employer corporate activity. Employers will now need to be thinking and notifying about the impact of decisions and transactions on their pension schemes upfront. There's now no justification for pensions being an afterthought. The regulator expects to consult on revised notifiable events code of practice in the coming months, so we will get more detail on this. And if you're interested in this, there's more detail generally on notifiable events, including the associated sanctions on our Lawcast episode 33. The next area of change is relating to climate change reporting requirements. 
This was another development instigated by the Pension Schemes Act 21, where we had new provisions requiring schemes to manage the effect of climate change as a financial risk and report on how they've done so. The larger schemes and authorised master trusts are already having to do this, but schemes with a billion or more of relevant assets will also have to do this from the 1st of October this year. Even those schemes that are not big enough to be subject to the mandatory reporting guidelines are strongly encouraged to adopt the governance procedures now in anticipation of requirements applying to all schemes by 2025. We discussed detail around this in our Lawcast episode 21 on ESG. The next area of change is in relation to equality, diversity and inclusion. The regulator has stated that one of its strategic objectives up to 2025 is to promote high standards of diversity and inclusion amongst its regulated community. Schemes should be starting to think about this now and what they can do to improve this. This is not just in relation to the composition of trustee boards. Other things to be thinking about are benefit structure. Do your schemes benefits offer equality to all? Governance processes. Should these be reviewed, such as M&T selection? Decision-making, are decisions assessed for unconscious bias? And advisors, do scheme advisors meet your DNI standards? And are they thinking about this and implementing any changes if necessary? There are lots of areas to think about. Schemes could be using this time this year to carry out an audit of governance practices and consider getting training on equality, diversity and inclusion issues facing pension schemes. Finally, I'm going to talk about pension dashboards. The consultation on detailed regulations relating to dashboards is expected this winter with draft regulations to be laid before Parliament for debate this year. Pension dashboards has been on the agenda for a few years now, but we're still lacking some detail on what's going to be required. The current plan is for voluntary onboarding and testing from this year before staged compulsory onboarding begins next year. The aim is to have business as usual up and running by 2024. There's a lot to be done between now and then. Hopefully we'll get more information about what schemes need to provide in terms of data sharing without further delay. I'm now going to pass over to Catherine to talk about scheme structure. Thanks, Alex. I'm going to cover a number of issues relating to scheme structure, which divide broadly into innovations in the pensions industry and measures aimed at better outcomes for DC members. You've heard from Alex already about the Pension Schemes Act 2021, but one other key development brought in by the Act was the framework which gives the green light to the creation of Collective Defined Contribution, or CDC, schemes. The CDC provisions of the PSA came into force in early December, and the next step will be a code of practice from TPR and some more detail about the authorisation regime that prospective CDC schemes will be required to meet. We're expecting a consultation on the CDC Code of Practice to be published in the spring. If you're interested in finding out more about the concept behind CDC, do listen to our Lawcast episode 20. Moving on to commercial consolidators, another market first in 2021 saw the official approval of the first DB Superfund. Clara Pensions successfully passed the pensions regulators process, which required it to meet certain standards, including in governance and administration, being run by fit and proper people and being backed by adequate capital. It has now been added to TPR's list of super funds, which is currently a list of one. There is an expectation in the market that we will soon start to see transactions into Clara. 
Moving on to better outcomes for DC members, I want to touch on a few smaller changes which will impact DC schemes in particular. There have been some changes to the charges cap, which applies to default arrangements in DC schemes which are used for auto-enrolment. These changes apply for charges years ending any time after the 1st of October 2021. Schemes are now able to smooth performance fees over five years in those default arrangements, and further changes are proposed for the future, would allow schemes to exclude so-called well-designed performance fees, that's charges that are paid when an asset manager exceeds predetermined performance targets, um, and ex exclude those from the charge cap. The government's aim is to help to ensure that DC schemes can access a broader range of illiquid asset classes. Also in relation to charges, Changes coming into force in April this year will mean that flat fees can no longer be charged on pension pots of £100 or less in schemes which are used for auto-enrolment. Another new requirement coming into force later this year is simpler annual benefit statements. From the 1st of October 2022, pure DC schemes which are used for auto-enrolment will have to produce a so-called simpler benefit statement, which must cover no more than two sides of A4 and satisfy certain specified criteria. This will apply to any statements sent out on or after the 1st of October 2022, regardless of whether your scheme year end is before or after that date. I think in general, we can expect to see a greater focus in the coming year on value for members, particularly in the context of small schemes. Trustees of DC and hybrid schemes with overall assets below 100 million are now required to prepare a value for members assessment in respect of their DC sections and to explain the results in the chair's statement for scheme years ending after the 31st of December 2021. DWP has indicated the policy intention that those smaller schemes which are unable to demonstrate value for members should take immediate steps to wind up the scheme and consolidate members into a larger scheme. As an alternative, those trustees can take steps to improve, but this must be both rapid and cost effective and DWP has indicated that it would expect this to be an option only in exceptional circumstances. So as a result, I think we're likely to see both this year and in years to come a greater move towards consolidation. The winners will be the master trusts and the super funds, which are likely to see an increase in interest as a result of these new requirements. That will come at the expense of small schemes, which will find themselves under increasing pressure to justify their continuing existence. And on that cheery note, I'll hand over to Pete to talk about scheme benefits. Thanks, Catherine. So, yes, turning finally to scheme funding and member benefits, I think there are a few themes that we think will continue to occupy trustees and sponsors in 2022. And if we start with um, GMP equalisation, and I know that for many schemes, it may feel like they've been talking about and planning it for many years already. But 2022 may well be the year that they actually implement it. And over 30 years on from the Barber judgment and nearly four years on from the first uh, Lloyds Bank judgment, we're starting now to see schemes and their advisors in increasing numbers taking active steps to equalise benefits for the effect of GMPs. We've covered GMP equalisation and the issues it raises in length uh, at length in previous law cast, but Taking a step back from the detail just to identify some big picture themes, we're seeing increasing numbers of schemes take an interest in GMP conversion. 
Certainly, those schemes approaching the insurance buying market are looking at GMP conversion as a way of making their scheme more attractive to insurers, given the effect that GMP conversion has on benefits and, of course, the simplifications that it can bring about. Uh, on a linked point, and at the end of November last year, the government confirmed that it will give its support to a private member's bill, which is designed to simplify some of the procedural and administrative aspects of the GMP conversion process. Moving on to the DB funding code, well, the regulator confirmed in December of last year that there'll be a further delay to the second consultation on the new code, which is now expected to start in summer 2022. And what that really means is that the code is not likely to be in force and operation until late this year or even early 2023, and therefore probably won't have an impact on the contributions that are actually paid to schemes until 2024. Now, one of the areas that there has been a lot of focus on already is when schemes will be able to use the bespoke route for funding compliance under the new code and when they'll use fast track. And in particular, there's a question around whether that bespoke route will be genuinely bespoke and scheme specific, or will it be closely tied to the fast track option? So the regulator has said that it wants to wait for the DWP's response to its own consultation on draft funding and investment regulations before starting consultation on the code. So for now, at least, employers and trustees trying to plan the long-term future of their schemes and also to understand what future valuation discussions might look like, will need to accept a further period um, of uncertainty. And then finally, the de-risking market had another very busy year uh, in 2021. Final figures are still to be confirmed uh, and calculated, but it looks as if around £30 billion of bulk annuity transactions were carried out and maybe around half that size in relation to uh, longevity swaps. And that's a particularly impressive figure given the continuing COVID pandemic throughout 2021. And certainly the team at CMS have been very busy throughout 2021 on de-risking projects. And there's no sign of the interesting de-risking slowing down. And we're expecting 2022 to be even busier. I think the current themes that we're starting to see include whole scheme transactions rather than the sort of the pensioner only deals, which have perhaps been more common in the past. And at the larger end of the market, residual risk cover um, is still of interest. And these are arrangements under which the insurer might agree to cover other potential risks relating to the scheme and its members beyond just the benefits being insured as part of the buy-in. That wraps up our summary of what we might expect in 2022. Thank you for joining us for this lawcast, and we hope you found it interesting and useful. If you do have any questions, please do send them to us by email and we hope that you will join us again for the next in the series, which will be broadcast soon. Thank you for listening.